Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Come to the edge. We might fall. Come to the edge. It's too high. Come to the edge. And they came, and he pushed, and they flew. Welcome to episode 33 of Cop On, you delicious, nutritious gooseberry. My name is Owen, and I'm absolutely delighted that you're listening. You can follow us on Twitter, at Cop On Podcast. You can email us, coponpodcast at gmail.com. I do hope you thoroughly enjoy today's show, in which I speak with Karan Hindocha in India and Linus Lovegaard in Sweden and we dissect Liverpool's fantastic win as Jurgen Klopp's Rocket Reds took their place back on top of the league. Enjoy! So thank you so much guys, this is incredible, this is the best Liverpool team in history I mean, you can go back to, you know, the, the, the team of the late 80s, the marvellous John Barnes, Aldridge, uh, Beardsley, etc. team. I mean, that, that was incredible. This, I think they got 90 points. This team's on 88 points after just 35 games. We've got three games left, obviously. I mean, it's, it's an incredible team. But before the match, I mean, you know, I, I, get, I still get so nervous um, how 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 are your nerves, Karen? Um, I'm usually not nervous before any Liverpool game, to be honest. But um, since we're challenging for both Premier League and Champions League, you will feel a bit nervous. I think it's quite normal to feel that way because um, you think that you're quite close um, to claim the title, and it's very normal uh, to feel nervous. But then as the game goes by, I I feel okay. I feel confident. Um, as we create chances, score goals, and defend brilliantly, um, it calms my nerves down. And obviously, three points gives a huge relief. And um, we're we're close to uh, record our highest points tally in the history of the club. And there's still three more games remaining. So that makes me feel more confident that this team has done a lot of things over the past three years. And it's still capable of achieving even more things, just like Klopp said in his press conference, that we have still a lot to achieve and there's still more to go. Um, even if you don't win the league this season, I am still so proud of the team because we have been chasing titles, um, we've been breaking records, and the quality of football is just absolutely class. So um, in terms of nerves, I'm usually just a bit nervous before the game. But it it goes well as the game goes by, and I'm pretty sure that um, it will be the same even in the last game. But I think um, I'm not really scared or anything as such. I'm pretty calm and confident. It's uh, yeah, it is absolutely normal uh, to be nervous as we head towards this uh, you know finish line uh, with City. You know, doing brilliantly. I mean, they did so well to beat. Spurs. How are you, Linus, and uh, how are you keeping it together, and how good is this team? Well, I, I'm not sure quite how Karen is not managing not to be nervous, because I'd be nervous even if we're playing the first round of the FA Cup, and uh, I'm even more nervous now when there's not room for slip-ups. 
one slip up and it's probably a game over, especially because City doesn't drop, look like dropping any or at least many points. So uh, I'm nervous before and during the game, obviously, especially yesterday when uh, we didn't really look very good, especially in the first half. We, we did create some chances, but our finishing was just horrendous. And uh, it, it got a bit better when Genie uh, scored that goal. But I, I'm just always nervous because it's football, anything can happen. Like Karen said as well, this team is just, it's so fantastic. And uh, it, it just keeps getting better and better, it seems. We thought we had fun. We we thought we had an amazing team before the season, but I think it's proven that it's better than everyone thought it would be. We've lost one game in the league all season, and the uh, performances both uh, us and uh, City are putting up this season it's just unparalleled. So I think we need to be proud of our team and happy with the performance we put in. And if we we don't win this league, it's because we had another great team that just slightly outperformed us and uh, even though we might still win the Champions League and that would be a good consolation but and then we have next season and the season after that the difference between this season's Liverpool and the 13-14 season and before that even it's we've got grounds to continue working on it we we're not looking like we're going to have to sell every single player that's doing well I don't think we definitely won't be selling Van Dijk at the end of the season like we had to do with Suarez in the 13-14 season so I'm just optimistic about the future and happy to be a Liverpool fan at the moment. Yes, these are great days. These are great, great days. It's There's just strength all over the park. Um, it's such a joy this season and it's, su- it's such a wonderful ride to be on. Um, absolutely loving it. So 2-0, uh, Liverpool had to, you know... It was a dogfight, wasn't it? It was a real, as we would have expected, uh, Neil Warnock um, parking the bus, trying to get us, you know, on set pieces, things like that. They came close a couple of times. Um, you know, if we talk about key moments in the match, Alisson's save was definitely a key moment when they had, when Nias had that shot, Umar Nias. Um, excellent stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know... Liverpool grinding out another victory. You know, if if you want to dog it, we could be the Rottweiler and they could be the Chihuahua. Yet again, we showed this this great way to win. Um, And Man United play Man City next. Uh, Karen, um, uh, do you think... Do you you hold out any hope that United can do something after... You know, capitulating against the, the the awful, pretty much irrelevant Everton team. I think the only thing we can control is our game and our performances. But when it comes to the opposition, all we can do is hope that um, they have a better game and uh, they bring out the result what we hope for. So in terms in terms of the derby, all I can say is we just hope that United bounce back and. Um, they have to win the game to keep the top four hopes alive. Um, and look, judging by my brother's face after the game, I think he was furious. And he, all he could talk about is we will bounce back, we will bounce back. He couldn't stop talking about it. So um, that's all I'm going to hope. I just hope that United bounce back um, and City drop points. I don't think City are going to drop points. Or if they do, then these are the sort of games that they do. Um, 
it's not that uh, they aren't nervous or anything like that. They are also human beings. And nerves will get to them like they get to any other player or any other team. Um, so I'm just waiting for that moment that um, they slip up and we capitalize on it. And um, the league is us. So I just hope that they bounce back and have a great game. Well, I mean, that's interesting. You should say that. So, I mean... Do you think, I mean, a lot of people have said that, you know, United versus City is our last hope. I don't buy that at all. I think City will trounce United personally. I think it could be like a record 5-6-7-0 in a derby, in a Manchester derby, because I think United are that bad. Uh, honestly, I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, it's difficult for me to be objective, but I honestly think this United team is, you know, several leagues below the City team. But... You say that you don't think City, Karen, will 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 will, will drop any more points. Do you see this as as a last hope? You don't think you know Burnley, Leicester, even Brighton can can do anything against them? Um, it's a tough call to be honest. Um, I hope that City would drop points against Spurs, but that was a really tricky tie. Um, I'm lost words to describe that game, but I think. Uh, I don't think so. The derby is our last hope for City to drop points because Burnley is, in a, is a tough fixture. It's not always easy to play there. Um, and Leicester have the sixth best record away from home in the league this season. They have won seven of the 14 matches. So um, And Leicester have um, a pretty good record against City as well. So judging by the performances in the away games, I think Leicester could, another, uh, could be another shot where City could drop points, although they play um, at their own turf. Um, but yeah, I think they have tricky games. Burnley are fighting for the Premier League status. Um, Leicester have been playing pretty well in the past few games, and uh, they hope to continue the form. And Brighton are, sir, are aimed to survive in the Premier League. They're currently in the relegation battle. So I think they have three very tricky and tough fixtures. So it's not going to be easy, um, but I really think that these three, anything can happen in these three games, including the derby. Well, yes, okay. Um, yes, thank you um, uh, for that. I mean, I have to slightly disagree with you on Burnley because they're on 39 points and Cardiff are 18th on 31 points. So they're eight points clear. I don't think Burnley are quite, I think they've managed to pull themselves out of the dogfight for now, they're probably already safe, but they have got those psychopaths up front, uh, Wooden Barnes, who I who I really like, and uh, I don't think the City defence, they're all they're all elegance, and they're not, um, they're not dogfighters, you know, they're not, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, it's going to be. That one is still going to be tough for them. Um, how do you see it going, Linus, this title race? I can see it going down to the final day. And if it does, I'm pretty sure Brighton, even though they're probably going to be fighting for their survival, I don't think they have close to the qualities they need to take down Manchester City. But we've said that about a lot of teams this season. And the teams City have lost against, it's Palace, uh, Newcastle and uh, Leicester and the, obviously Chelsea, but they're a bit better. So I'm not really sure. I think every game City have, they need to be on 100% concentration level or they very possibly could lose or get a draw because it's tough game physically and mentally because Burnley 
as we all know, they like to get physical, which this city team is anything but. Uh, they are really not a very physical team. They want to dominate possession and just play, pass the ball around. So I think that will be a very tricky fixture. And I pro- I, I'd say they have a bigger chance of dropping points there than they do versus United, because United, like you said, Owen, they're just crap. Sorry, sorry for using that word, but they're just really, really useless. If you lose to Everton, you don't really have a chance against City, I'd say. I, I think that it might not be 5-6-7-0, like you said, but I think they will definitely not get the win. And I think this is a very important game, the City-United game, but I definitely don't think it's the only chance City have to drop points. I, I, I agree. I agree. And if you're curious, listeners... Um, you know, Manchester United's best ever points total in the Premier League was 91 in 99-2000. Um, and, uh, you know, so it looks like Liverpool are going to top that. Um, so you can tell all your Man United supporting buddies about that stat. Um, once we get beyond 91 points this season, um, it's absolutely incredible. But let's talk in depth a bit more about yesterday's game, the key moments then. Um, I mean, you may as well start with the goals is a good place as any. Um, the corner routine, I thought Trent had scuffed his corner, but it turned out to be a brilliant move that they'd worked out at half time. And Jeannie Vineldon, Linus, I'm going to stay with you uh, on this one. Jeannie, talk, talk to us about that, that beautiful finish and, and in general his performance. What did you make of it yesterday? He was playing in the six, Fabinho was rested. Uh, what do you make of it all? I think it was a bit of a hit and miss performance. I think he at some points looked quite solid, and uh, at some points he is, he didn't look very good. I think the his goal was it was a fantastic strike. It uh, when the ball's bouncing like that, you need to get the perfect hit, and I think it, the shot was just perfect. And I I I like you thought he scuffed the cross. Trent did, but it hit, apparently it was their plan all along. So props to them for that, and it really worked. And uh, I think he looked quite decent defensively. I think some of his decisions weren't uh, very great. And I think what I like so much about Fabinho is to get the ball, get it forwards quite a lot. And uh, I, I didn't see that from Gini. And I think that slowed us down a lot yesterday. And uh, that, I think, uh, was the main flaw of his game. But otherwise, I, I think he had a solid game. I think we didn't have a great performance, but we I think Wijnaldum had a very okay performance. Nothing to bat your eye about, except the slowness in the passing, I'd say. Oh, yeah, interesting. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I, would, I thought he had, a, he had a pretty good match, personally. But, um, yeah, he was... Uh, I mean, yeah, he could have been a bit quicker, maybe, but I thought he kept the ball quite well in the six. He wasn't quite as visible as Fabinho is. I mean, he's just been terrific this season. Um, but, yeah, it was an inter- interesting call by Klopp to play Vijnaldum. Um What did you make of the midfield yesterday, Karen, and, and uh, that goal by Genie? Um, I think I kind of predicted um, the midfield before the game. Because um, I think it's very important that we have fresh legs in the midfield um, because we have very, very important games coming up. And uh, it, it kind of made sense to start Genie instead of Fabinho because um, I think 
the main focus of the game was Keita because it's this is his sort of game that he creates chances he gets to his rhythm and you know um he he's a class player um so i think having hendo um genie and ket i think it was a pretty good lineup there's a good balance to it um now that we have seen hendo more often in the final third i think there's a good balance to it because if we play if hendo played in number 6 then we have two number 6 players and a number 8 which um it becomes a 4231 formation and that doesn't really work out for club uh, that often um so i think uh, that system with those set of players i think it worked really well um we didn't really have a great game but we just had to make it effective uh, we created a lot of chances the execution was poor that's okay but it was effective and we got the three points talking about genius goal i remember him saying to hendo that let um trend pass me on the ground in the penalty area and i think that's how uh, it worked out and that was a monstrous half volley um the technique is really good it's really difficult but it was really good um as it uh, awkwardly passed right before he had to hit the ball um it was a very good goal and um i really enjoyed it um in terms of um in terms of attacking Uh, scenarios uh, during the game i think we did okay we created enough chances um to bury the game but unfortunately we couldn't finish them and um all we had to do was not to burn out much energy because it was too hot and we just had to pass the ball be quick in our passes and make the game really effective and i think the midfield was key to make that happen Yes, I would agree. Yeah, I mean the midfield. I thought I thought it was very good, and uh, you know, to give them, uh, you know, uh, their due in terms of you know the the pace of the passing. Uh, Klopp and Virgil, they both after the match, they both t- uh, talked about how dry the pitch was. That was obviously a tactic from Cardiff not to water the pitch very well. So it was very difficult to pass, apparently. Uh, for both of them um the second goal i mean i can't believe that warnock said it was a 9.9 dive and uh, uh, fans of opposition fans were like oh salah dived again absolute nonsense it was a penalty every day and it was a penalty for about for, i don't know about 6 or 7 times it was a penalty you can't grab people from behind and spoon them in the penalty area it stops them moving uh, and then jimmy milner what a contribution he made in his uh, sort of cameo for the last half hour or so that he was on the pitch he was brilliant and then he drilled that penalty 300 miles an hour did you doubt him at any point linus that he was going to miss it well that's an interesting story really uh, because when uh, we got the penalty i i'm not sure why i just took up my phone and uh, the the where we were watching the game it was a bit behind so i instantly got a notification that milner had scored the penalty so i didn't think he'd miss it because i knew we'd score <laughs> yeah. i i never yeah. doubt milner the his uh, penalty record is exceptional and uh, one thing i wanted to touch about was it was a video the between uh, milner and salah that they salah wanted to have the penalty but milner took it away from him and there's been a lot of talk about that on twitter and i think 
the people saying Milner was selfish and he should have given the ball to Salah, I think they need to realize you can't risk it in a game like that. Milner is a designated penalty taker and has one of the best penalty records in the Premier League, so he definitely should be taking that penalty. I wasn't scared Milner would miss it, even if I did, even if I hadn't known he uh, had already scored. But yeah, I, I never doubt Milner. <laughs> well, that's a that's a funny way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. If you if you get the notification if you're watching it with a bit of delay, that's a nice way of. Uh, of uh, calming the nerves. I was pacing up and down and then when he took the penalty I was, you know, I was on my knees clutching my table and, you know, watching it on my computer and, you know, just just sort of, you know, I had confidence he was going to get it because it's Jimmy Milner but, uh, you know, because when I'm not confident I look away. I managed to watch this one but yes, I was, you know, nonetheless, you know, on not even on the edge of my seat off the edge of my seat and you know on the floor on my knees but uh, you know what a performance it was by him James Milner um other notable uh, performances i mean you know on the cop on player ratings table that we do amongst ourselves and and our contributors um the uh, our man of the match we take all of the average ratings of all of our contributors uh, the man of the match was Bobby Firmino. Uh, he was my man of the match, I have to say. I thought he was absolutely marvellous. The way he got between the lines and, you know, his control, his creativity, his energy running back and forward, winning tackles, um, causing headaches. And it's very difficult when basically in the position he plays as a withdrawn sort of number nine. He, he's normally got you know, at least two people next to him, sometimes four. And he's still making problems, Karen. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic performance, despite the miss in the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you can never question the work rate by Firmino. He's, he's the best number nine in, in Europe and in the world, I can say. Um, his work rate on and off the ball is absolutely incredible. Um, I just love it when he drops deep to help his uh, teammates uh, try to win the ball and immediately just start the attack right there on spot. Um, And there's so many aspects about him that uh, all the fans love. His goal scoring, the chances that he creates, his quick thinking, his his tenacity, his audacity. Um, Overall, he's just just a world-class player and we're really lucky to have him. Um, he really could have scored the the opener, to be really honest, but he just slightly overhit it. Um, you can't blame him, though, because it can happen with anybody. But um, I think he had tons of chances during the game, and he could have scored any of them. Um, so I, th- I really think in, he is the man of the match for me. Um, and after that, I think it really would be Henderson. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, to have a number nine like him in any team would be a blessing and he's with us so I'm really happy. Excellent answer. Yeah, you're right to, to, to list, you know, I mean, that's very good that you, to list his qualities like that. He's got so many of them, doesn't doesn't he? He's absolutely superb. And Henderson as well, you're right to, 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 to mention him, the phoenix from the midfield flames. Now, suddenly... You know, people are recognising his talents, you know, and they say, you know, in the number eight role, he's he's the greatest midfielder the universe has ever created. The player that Steven Gerrard could have been. OK, 
I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he's he's doing brilliantly, isn't he, Lena? So, I mean, what do you make of him, our captain? I mean, would you rather, you know, are you one of these people who would rather Virgil takes the armband or or no way, Jose? I, I'm the second one. I have never advocated for taking the armband away from Henderson because I've always liked him. Uh, obviously, Virgil would be a fantastic captain, but Hendo is our captain, and I think it should stay that way until he's not no longer at the club. And uh, in this eighth role where he's always wanted to play, really. He played there in the 13-14 season, I think. And uh, he, he's, since Klopp came in, he's been playing the more six role, the more defensive. And uh, he's not been as good. I, I, I still think he's been very good in most games. But he's just not been at this level. And props to Henderson for this. He's, he's accepted his role at the number six, but he's always wanted to play further forward. And after, I think three years with Klopp, he's now said, okay, we have Fabinho, he's a world-class number six, world-class CDM, and uh, now, can you play me further forward? And he got he got that chance in the Southampton game, and he took it with style. He scored the goal, he was just instrumental in that game, and he's been fantastic ever since, and I think Despite our, the team's not as good performance versus Cardiff, I still think he had an amazing game, and I I really love Henderson. Excellent answer. Yeah, I mean he's he's super good. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, other people I want to talk about are the fullbacks. I don't think it was Trent's best game. I've got to say, um, I thought he was a little bit sloppy in defence. You know, he looked a bit shaky in defence, especially in the first half. He recovered in the second half a bit. Um, of course, he got an assist, but uh, the full-backs, I mean, Robertson as well, uh, oof, uh, it wasn't his best match either. I mean, he was he was pretty good, but I think, Karen, the full-backs are the key to our entire system. I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that, um, that if they play well... Uh, you know, we, we absolutely trounce teams. If they play badly, it's more difficult for us. And yesterday they were kind of, you know, 7 out of 10 maybe. Um, still good, of course, but but, but not their best games. Um, talk to me about our full-backs, Karen. Um, yeah, it was, it was not the best game. Um, it was a pretty good game. Um, I'll start with Robertson. Um, it was a... It was a pretty good performance. I was really happy. But the only thing that um, that I would wish that he works on over the summer is his accuracy of crossing. Sometimes he just overhits his crosses. And um, there are several occasions where um, uh, with, if he just connects the cross properly, then there are certain goals. Um, and he seems to overhit them and it goes away from the player. Um, so I think if he just works on his crosses more often, um, I think it would be a huge benefit to us. Um, and in in the Cardiff game, I've seen uh, several of his crosses going over the player, where uh, it should have been uh, it should have been met by the player. Um, that was the only thing um, I think Robertson was lacking in that game. Um, when it comes to Trent, I think Mendes Lang caused a problem in the first half. He was it was very easy to dribble past him and he created a lot of problems on the left flank for us. Um, but yeah, I think he's still young, he has a lot to learn and um, he just needs to 
uh, work on his defensive skills. Um, it's not too bad. I think I gave him a 7.5 in my ratings table, which is quite fair. Um, if he had contained Mendes Lang, I think he would have an 8 or something. Um, but yeah, I think it was a pretty good game for our fullbacks. They're very key. They are the key players in, in Klopp's system. And we've seen it often throughout the season, um, recording number of assists as well as um, creating chances. Um, so I think uh, they should keep working on it as well as simultaneously make sure that they don't lapse in uh, defense. Um, it was not a great day for them, but it was a pretty good day, and I'm glad we got the win. Lovely stuff. Yeah, we need to t- we need to talk about you know another key defender at the moment is Joel Matip as well because it was another assured performance and it was another you know way uh, I mean Gary Neville gave him man of the match I'm not quite sure he was man of the match but it was it was solid and it puts Lovren I don't know it it confirms Matip's status as uh you know ahead of Lovren in the pecking order um you know, we can talk about, you know, should Gomez come in at centre-back or should Gomez, you know, stay uh, as cover for Trent and right-back? Um, or, you know, can we just stick with Matip for the rest of the season? What What do you reckon, Karen? I want to stick to Matip as a centre-back pairing with Van Dijk for the rest of the season um, uh, for two reasons. One is that I'm really happy that Gomez is uh, back. He's he still needs to work on his fitness. It's too early for him to start a game and play a 90 minute. Um, and having these sort of short cameos, um, in the, as we've seen in the past few games, is a bonus for him as well as for the team because um, he will act as a cover for Trent in the remaining games for the season. Um, he can also uh, substitute Matip and give him a little bit uh, a rest. Um, in some of those games so that, you know, we have him fresh for all the games in the rest of the season. Or probably Van Dijk. I'm not sure Klopp would really substitute Van Dijk for Gomez. But I think we can just sort of rotate him throughout the back four, even in place of Robertson, for example. Um, Because when he started playing for Liverpool, he was sort of a left back for first six, seven games or something under Brendan Rodgers. So he can cover in the left-back position as well. So I think we should just give him some minutes under his belt in any position in the back four um, and get him uh, his confidence back, get him to his groove and his rhythm back, and we'll have him fit for the next season. Um, I think Lovren is done at the club, to be really honest, because Matip has been absolutely phenomenal since he's stepped up for, for Gomez. Um I think uh, the another reason is playing with Van Dyke. Uh, you can see the changes in every player around him. You've seen that in Matip. Um, he he gets that confidence to break into the midfield and pick out players with his passes. He gets the confidence to defend well. He gets the confidence to uh, support his fullbacks and as well as uh, the midfield. I think there's a lot of confidence in his game. There's, he's trying to be creative. He's trying to um, help his team, uh, help his teammates, and um, sort of attack the game. So I think if you see that more often, I think we have a really good centre back uh, waiting for us next season. Um, and if you just buy another centre back in the place of Lovren, 
um, I think we have a solid back four for any sort of game. Excellent answer. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Virgil does make everybody look look great and he gives confidence to the people around him. And I think, you know, anyone would add, you know, an extra 5 or 10% knowing that you've got the best centre-half in the world next to you. Um, it's brilliant to see and I love to see, I love to see Matip sort of, you know, he's another one like Henderson, just, just you know, proving the critics wrong week after week. It was a superb performance from him, wasn't it, Linus? Yeah, I, I've just been really, really impressed with... Uh... Uh, Matip over the last well since Gomez got injured really I think uh, Lovren played some games but mostly for Matip and he's just been doing really well I think that's the Van Dijk effect he just gives uh, so much confidence and uh, to the other uh, centre backs and the whole back line really and the, I think the fact that Verdi Van Dijk's partners trust him more they trust that they can do their stuff but even if they kind of mi- like with the uh, Matip going into the forward line, even if he uh, loses ball, he can trust that Van Dijk is there to cover for him. And uh, when we had Lover and when uh, Matip, when that wasn't really the case, because he didn't, we couldn't trust Lover in the same way to cover for him in the defense. And Matip's game, he arguably should have had man on the match. I don't agree with Gary Neville, and I rarely do. Uh, but I think he had just another very very good performance and uh, my brain is saying we should definitely stick with him but i i like goma so much and i think he's the future of uh, our team our back line if he can stay fit even after van dyke because he's i think uh, gomez is 21 or 22 or something like that and he will definitely be here when uh, van dyke left and i think he's the natural successor to van dyke so i think we need to continue playing him, but I I agree with Karen, Karen too. Matip's been doing so well, so I think for that sake, I think Matip sh- should be having that spot until the end of the season, and then we look uh, in pre-season and the next season to get Gomez back in there. It's it's all good news, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just to confirm, Joe Gomez, I just Wikipedia'd it, is Date of birth is 23rd of May 1997, so he's 21. He's going to be 22 in May. So young, a baby in terms of central defenders. I mean, he's got another uh, 10 years at least to play at the top top level. I mean, you know, let's hope he stays injury-free uh, for at least for a while. Uh, but it's the same with Matip. I mean, Matip's uh, 20, he's going to be 28 on the 8th of August, I mean, he's got another two or three years as a, at the very, very, very top um, of his game. And it looks like he's getting better. And our defence, I mean, 19 clean sheets for Alison Becker. His his saves were, were excellent. Um, and uh, just to end this sort of, you know, talk about this league match before we talk about the Champions League, which I want to, you know, start talking about very soon. Here are some numbers uh, talking about this, you know, this league campaign so far. This was Liverpool's ninth successive win in all competitions, which is amazing. And it was our 27th uh, Premier League victory of the season. Uh, We've only done that three times before, in 1904-05 and 1961-62, we got 27 wins. 
but our top flight record stands at 30, which we got in 78-79. So this is truly remarkable. In 78-79, I believe there were 42 matches as well. Um, so this current side can, can uh, you know, smash so many seasons records by you know beating Huddersfield, Newcastle and Wolves. It's superb to watch but let's talk about the Champions League for a bit because uh, we haven't done that yet on Cop on Podcast. Um, superb professional performance away to Porto apart from the first half an hour when we looked very very shaky and luckily Porto couldn't convert any of their 15 chances in the first half an hour it was it was a really bad start from us but after we recovered so well um and uh, barcelona in the next round I, I i hear lots of people already planning trips to madrid cara they're very confident about beating barcelona for me it's a 50 50 tie i mean we are brilliant um, you know, but so are they. Leo Messi, Suarez. It's going to be brilliant to see uh, Suarez and Coutinho back. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not as confident as a lot of Reds who are, you know, they, they seem supremely, you know, confident that we're going to beat Barcelona. Where do you stand on it, Karen? I think I'm pretty confident of beating Barcelona and going to the final this season um, for several reasons, of course, because... Um, even though Barcelona are a really great attacking side, but they lack the pace um, that we possess in our gameplay. Um, so I think that will be one of the key reasons um, how we will beat them. Um, our front three are phenomenal. We are so quick to attack, um, and I think it's going to be it's going to be a crunch tie, a very very interesting tie um, to see um, which uh, team goes through. But I'm really confident that um, Liverpool goes through. Um, because under Valverde, Barcelona uphold many of the footballing principles in which the club was founded upon, um, with possession football is being prioritized. And uh, whenever the ball is lost, they have a proactive nature to regain the ball. But on the other hand, uh, Liverpool, on especially on the big games, we focus on pressing to create chances, and we remain compact and force the opposition team to make errors and exploit them to for quick breakthroughs. Um, and over the past couple of seasons with the teams we have beaten in the Champions League, with our wealth of European experience, we should go there with confidence. And no matter how tough it's going to be, I think um, Liverpool will go through. It, will be, it won't be like a dominating performance uh, per se, but it will be a convincing performance. It will be an entertaining performance and we will well-deservedly go through. Gosh, I wish I had that confidence. No, I, I mean, you're right, though. I mean, you know, we do have, we seem to have the kind of game that will suit playing Barcelona because of our hassling, because of our pressing from the front. How do you see it going, Linus? I, I'm I'm with Karen on this. I'm quite confident, actually, because uh, we, we as a team are one of the best teams in Europe at the minute. We have good players from attack to the midfield to defence and... We've just looked really solid all over. And Barcelona, they have the best player in the world in Lionel Messi. And uh, they have some really good players. But they, uh, apart from uh, Jorge Alba, they they don't have a lot of pace in their defense. They have Sergio Busquets, which if he plays as he did uh, in the first leg versus United, will not be doing very well if, if 
I may say so. And PK, he's a fantastic defender, but he isn't very fast. So, and uh, with their possession style play, I think they they might struggle against our high press. And uh, I, I'm just confident because we also have the first game at the new Camp and uh, the second game at Anfield, which for me is definitely favorable. So I think if we go do sort of what Bayern did to us and just try and shut the game down, not be too open at the back and uh, come back to Anfield with maybe a draw, a narrow win or just a score draw, which would be absolutely perfect. And uh, then we can uh, smash them at Anfield like so many times before. So I'm, I'm very confident, but I'm not saying we're in the final already. Well, okay, yeah, all right. Um, um, looking at their current position, they're they're nine points ahead with five games left. They're kind of walking the league now. Um, a slight advantage we might have is that they put two games before the first of May at the New Camp Barcelona Liverpool. They're playing uh, Alaves away and then Levante at home. Not the most difficult in terms of. Uh, uh, Alaves and Levante being pretty poor teams. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fact that they're playing two games, maybe they'll be a little bit more tired. Uh, you know, Suarez looks like he's lost, you know, a tiny bit of his pace. And I don't know, he's still brilliant. Oh, and Messi looks like he's he could be in the form of his life. He's on a mission. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm... It's going to be a heck of a match, though, isn't it? And, uh, you know, Spurs against Man City. Let's go back to Man City, Karen. Um, you know, just to be 100% clear of their last matches, they've got Manchester United away, they have Burnley away, they have Leicester at home, they have Brighton away. But psychologically, I'm interested, Karen. Um, three away matches of their last four they got beaten in such, you know, dramatic, heartbreaking for them circumstances. Uh, do you think that, you know, in the next few matches that 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 heartbreak will start to sink in? Or will it harden their resolve to be sure that they win their last four matches? How do you think City are psychologically in this run-in? Um, they've lost three away games this season out of the four they've lost. Um, although they have played two game, two away games less than us. Um, so I think their away form is a bit poor. So it's, uh, since they have three out of four away games left uh, for the rest of the season, I think it's going to be very tricky for them. It's going to be very hard for them. Um, and I'm really hoping that um, the opposition teams facing them get some result out of it. Um, and it works out for us. That's all I can say about it. Um, but I think uh, it, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to go down uh, to the last game if they if they don't drop points. So um, we just have to keep winning and keep working on our games, and let's just hope for the best. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Linus? I mean, how 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 do you think they they're going to be mentally? I mean, I I notice a lot of nervousness in their last home match um, and they've only got one more home match to play that's against Leicester but uh, you know there seem to be nervousness in the crowds it transmitted a bit to the players they got a sketchy 1-0 win at you know against Spurs um, 
do you think it will come into effect that 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 heartbreaking for them loss in the last minute when they thought they'd won it i mean is it slight advantage to us that we keep winning and and piling the pressure on them are they are they going to crack at some point i definitely hope so i i'm not sure if i can i can see them dropping points but i like i have always said that i think they will lose their heads if they lose to tottenham and the that's even more magnified by the way they did lose to Tottenham. So I think they looked very suspect defensively uh, versus Tottenham this last game. They, they had a lot of uh, they let a lot of balls in between the lines, and uh, they did Laporte did quite well uh, most of the time. And Ederson was fantastic that game, along with very poor finishing from Tottenham. So I think. Their results have been quite flattering because I don't think they've been performing very well. But I, you could say the same thing for us in some of our games this season. But I think if they keep playing like this, there is no way they can win all their games, especially because they have three away games. And that's ex- not only because of the games, but it's also the the traveling. It could it can have it could take a toll on the players. Maybe they. Maybe they don't get enough sleep on one day and maybe lose a bit of, of concentration. And that's all it takes in football. So I think that's, I think it's very possible that they lose their heads for one game. And that's all it takes. If we win all our games and they don't win, they don't even have to lose. They can just draw a game, which is very possible. So I think it's, it's quite possible they drop points. And I think... Uh, them not being in the Champions League uh, might actually benefit us because they, cause that's the competition they want to win and they might just feel very downbeat about not about going out and just keep thinking about it. So everything's possible from here on out and uh, I'm still relatively confident that we'll get the we'll get the win this season. Love it. I love it. And a final question then. Uh, for you, Linus, are you going to be supporting Manchester United on Wednesday? Because I'm definitely not. But because uh, I just hope for a draw. But uh, how do you feel about it? I'm never going to admit that I'm supporting for Man United because that would just be blasphemy. But I can say I'm not supporting Manchester City that game. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Very good answer. How about you, Karen? Yeah, I agree with Linus. I'm not going to be supporting either of the teams. I can never imagine supporting either of the teams. But all I can say is I will hope for a result that is in our favour. <laughs> yeah, you should both be diplomats. That's absolutely excellent. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, guys. It's been really nice to talk uh, to you both about this. Uh, you know, it's a superb win away to Cardiff with, you know, a lot of elements against us. And, and uh, you know, Martin Atkinson, who we didn't talk about being, you know, just sort of, you know, it's 50-50 if he gets any decision right, in my opinion. Um, he's not biased. He's just... I don't know. Not very good. That's just my opinion. Um, um, Thank you so much, guys. Liverpool are back on top of the league. Two points clear. City have got another couple of days to think about us being two points clear. To think about going away to Old Trafford against a hungry Man United. And, uh, you know, up the Reds. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. Thank you so much for having me again. 
So that about wraps up another episode of Cop On Podcast. I do hope you've enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much to Linus and Karen. And, uh, you know, the most thanks, of course, is to you, the cherished, beloved listener. Um, thank you so, so much. It's, it's, it's a delight to bring you another episode. And so as the final square of the chocolate of episode 33 is melting in the mouth, let me just say a final well done to Jurgen Klopp and his Rocket Reds, his resilient Rocket Reds. The dream, my brothers and sisters, the dream is getting closer to a reality.